Castro is back off the DL. Yo, Sublime. You know what I mean? He's war- warming up that left arm to come in, give me some good innings tonight. You know what I mean? Might go two and two thirds. <laughs> I'm in the bullpen. Chewing, uh, I'm chewing tobacco and, and doing meth. Nobody knows. I'm doing John Rocker. I'm not coming into the eighth inning. John Rocker. <laughs> dating myself when I tell you I was at the, you know, going to Phillies games, Michael Jack Schmidt was playing the shit. Ah, that's wow. that's that that's quite a time. That's, uh, <laughs> before we get to our guest, our, our Steve Carlton pitching. Steve Bedrosian. Mm. Steve Bedrosian was pitching that one. Bedrock. Steve Bedrock. We got a uh, avid avid '80s Phillies fan in Brooklyn, Alaska. What's up? Yeah, you see, dumbass is watching Red Sox in the look, man. '80s Red look, Sox. Look, I remember oh. back then you watched what was on, and the Yankees used to be on Channel Eleven. W what channel not what, what was the mess channel? WPIX. WPIX. I used to get that down to Philly. I, yeah. I was I was watching yeah, Todd Hunley, Bernard Gilkey, Lance Johnson. Yeah, yep. And I remember awesome. back in the day, the Yankees games was heavy. They put them on all the time. All the time. I said Channel Eleven. You you was watching the Richard Bay show and shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> you were getting home from school and watching the kids play video games, hoping they would call your house. So you'd be like, picks, picks, picks. You know that picks. <laughs> so and we are enjoyed by this this dude. Long overdue to have him on the show. We have the Grill Chief Party CEO, uh, a man of uh, a conglomerate of underground. Uh, the Gargon, Don Gargon, you know I mean? the, the Vanguard, the Vanguard, the vinyl uh, masochists. Well, that doesn't even you make any sense. Saying, Whatever, no. man. He's the shit. Mark Specs here. What's up, Mark? Finally. Oh, peace, peace, peace. Got him, dude. This is Mark is the coolest cat, man. His his Instagram is his Instagram is like the fucking Smithsonian of 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 underground independent rap for the last twenty years. And then some of the stories which he told us before we press record. More consistent, the, like the Udonis Haslam of rap. He been with yeah. Rod. He, he taught Wade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> he's there at Weber. That he's there. He's there with Stackhouse. The, you know what I'm saying? Those all these guys. This shit Dude. is dope. He got, got the torch from Chris Gatling. They ran with it. <laughs> man, listen. It's been a long journey. Put it like great. That. It's been incredible, yeah. man. So we're very, very grateful to have you on. And uh, we're going to talk about... Um, the main topic tonight is something I tweeted the other day and I thought it was dope that we can make a show out of it was about why do or how come some cats as they get older as MCs, and this can apply to females too. Why is cats of any gender in rap music? How can they literally fall the fuck off of beats? Right. This and is what, called like this what, called what rap. makes you right. Go ahead, sorry. Rap, half, rap half life. Right, so, so like, why, what, why, why can you go down, like literally downhill on a beat? Where some people, as they get older, clearly you would think the the advantage is I'm gonna get more more slick and more pockets and all that, right? Get more so reps. Before, before we get, get to that reps. though, I want to just kick it with Mark for like ten minutes on the Grilchi party wave, the story, the evolution. Mark, what just very brief. But also, I want I want to bridge it. I want to hear the coolest shit. 
What's and up? Mark, we brought Mark on because you have artists that have longevity. Mm, exactly. That have, that have been able to weather storms sorry, and reinvent. Sorry. And so that's why we yes. want you on this episode because- You're seeing it. You're creating. You're, you're seeing it. And, and look, I'll be honest. I'm an older artist. So mm -hmm. this, this issue is very near and dear to me because I don't want to get dull. I want to stay sharp. And I just wonder- okay why that befalls some cats and not others and alaska is the oldest artist so he wants to know <laughs> oh, yeah. start doing johnny cash covers <laughs> i got what i got some so, more break it down man like just division behind grilled cheese and where it started to where it's at now if you can give us an overview we i, I want to know all this stuff well back in the day I've, you know i've always read i've always read different books and one thing for certain was that I knew that in analyzing and being a student of the game since the 80s and 90s and shit, I always realized that as well. Whereas you would catch the, the rough beginnings of an artist. And that I always did the science on that as well. Mm. As, because I, when I was really becoming like an MC and trying to, you know, emulate who I seen, which was like KRS-One, Big Daddy mm. King, Slick Rick, and all that, right. you always notice that, yo, in that school, everybody was already polished before you got a chance to really see them get there. You know what I'm True. saying? Mm. They was maybe a little rough around the edges, but they was already there. When you heard Chuck D, really, he was there. Like, yes. He sharpened it with um Nation of Millions and all that, but he mm. was pretty much there with my Uzi ways a ton. You knew what you was getting. Mm -hmm. In our age and era, which I consider like, you know, being a direct representative student of before you get to the late 90s underground hip hop and all that shit, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You would notice that when artists was breaking in the early 90s, mm -hmm. they wasn't all the way sharp and you could still see the rawness before they caught their real flow like when they got in the pocket fully mm -hmm. like when biggie started i'll give you two examples biggie smalls mm -hmm. from party and bullshit to where he was in the middle of ready to die to the end of that album mm -hmm. to where he finally got in pocket on life after death mm -hmm. another Indeed. artist like that was buckshot when you saw him from the beginning of that first album transition towards the end of it, and then he didn't give you a second album, but the singles that you singles, got, yeah. I got you yeah. and all that shit, mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. when he was fully in pocket. And really what, what I say by that, when you catch your flow and you get totally comfortable with it, you can sing. Mm. You start harmonizing different, did. and you start really biggie too. Mm -hmm. Yep. You start being able to play with the words so much that it's like nothing. It just you can sing your shit. Yeah, I'm running MCs every day, motherfucking don't play straight yep. from the head, bus shot to the top. Yep. Karen's one did that same shit too. Yep. yep. You figured out. When you get to a certain level, you can start playing Ghostface Supreme Client. Ghostface. Yep. You can start playing with that flow, right? Mm -hmm. So every artist and look at Ghost from. Into the 36 shows yep, when yep, he was choppier yep, yep. to where Supreme Clientele, he was singing his shit kind of. Yep, that's what he's like He was fully in pocket. Mm -hmm. Artists need to be able to have that time to develop in a studio because it ain't the same as freestyling in a car or on a yep. corner or in your house. Mm -hmm. 
That's what that difference is. When you can get in the studio and get comfortable like that, mm. and you used to being in the studio and you used to like just going like that, mm-hmm. that's that peak. So we got to see all of those peaks. Right. Everything has valleys and peaks. It's science of what goes up comes down and shit, right? Right. So artists, back to the topic at hand with the later artists. Not everybody stays on point. Life happens. You got kids. You got to find another resource of money. You got this stress. You might have a physical ailment. You mm-hmm. might have a medical issue. Mom's died. Pops just died. Mm-hmm. Something else happened. Life happens. You just had, you know, all type of things that come in as equations that you can't, you know, look at Nas, for instance. Yeah, we caught him at a raw stage with Illmatic. But gradually, we got to grow with him and see life happening around him as well. Right. All that mm-hmm. life and stimulus from the outside affects it. So when you're talking about an artist that's 22 and you're like, damn, how the hell did he fall off? And now he's 42 and hasn't been as consistent with everything and hasn't been just in the studio hanging out every day, smoking, mm. drinking. All that kind of diminishes, and you can try your hardest to be like, yo, I still want to get in pocket, and I still want to do this and that, but it won't happen like that, because naturally, and it's nature, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's just nature. That's the nature of things. The thing with Grilchy and the Booze Brothers is like, they Captain America. They was frozen in ice. Mm. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) It was unthawed. They never was unthawed until, you know, a few years before I met them. My man, same one I was telling y'all about, my ace, Philadelphia. Now, mind you, I started this group called the Brody Champs in Atlanta in the year 2000. And it was cats from Brooklyn, the Bronx, Carolinas, you know, PA, of course, Philly, Jerry, Lisa, I was living. Buddy? Buddy Lisa, right? Lisa, Lisa was in it. He was the youngest yeah. member. He was like 17. Just, oh, Lisa was that young when he was Brody Chin. Nice. Wow. Yo, he, no, he was like seven, 18, maybe. He was probably wow. 18 because he had a car and shit. But the funny <laughs> shit is, we he met, I met Buddy Lee in Tower Records and shit. There, there it is. In Atlanta. Coming back since In is. Atlanta. Nice. Yeah. He had wow. seen me at a freestyle joint. I was doing a lot of open mics. As soon as I got there, I was doing everything poetry nights. Dude, I was at a joint with fucking Sal Williams performed the eighth octave or seventh octave, whatever he had. Jessica Caramore was out there. Wow. So I'm, seeing, I'm just Chills. seeing like Erica Badu blow up and shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like wow. that whole scene. When I got to Atlanta, that's it was what was raps. It was head yep, rap. Yep, 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 yep. Head rap era. Or <laughs> yes, you was a, you know, or you was a ratchet chick before ratchet chicks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was oh, going God. down to Atlanta. I had polo on. I had graffiti on my Tims. I had guest jeans. And I was an alien. You know what I mean? Yeah, wow. I, I had dreads. My dreads was like down to here. I was an alien. So I was downtown freestyling every day. That's how I got all my opportunities was from open mics and freestyling. Nice. I always tell right. artists that. You know what I'm saying? But, but yeah, that's when he put me on to the Booze Brothers. It was like 2008. Damn. And the first thing I said was, yo, are they nice? Because, you know, I done met hundreds of rappers. <laughs> right, right. right. If, not, if not thousands. Thousands, right. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, he was like, yo, he kept telling me about them. I was like, yo, send me, you know, their music. You know, it's mm. MySpace or whatever. Era. I'm like, you put me on to their music and shit. 
He's yep. like, nah, they CDs ain't online. He's like, they music ain't online like that. I'm like, the fuck? They none of they shit? So then he started sending me videos and shit. I was like, okay, yeah, they got some shit. And I met them in 2012. Okay. I was doing a, I was touring for Machete Vision, setting yes. my own spot dates up all over the country and shit. I did LA, I did New York, I did fucking Kentucky, and I did Philly at Kung Fu Necktie. Oh, I did a show with the Booze Brothers. Wow. And that show went so well, the energy and vibe of, it was like, he had been telling them about me, and we just both showed and proved that night. All of us tore it down and shit, and at the end of the night, him low gave me like literally 13 CDs. It was Damn. all street-level mixtapes they shit. had done. I'm looking at that shit like, yo, that's how I move. When I was approaching people like, like put it like this, Doom, right? Mm-hmm. Doom knows me, not just because we was label mates, but after Subverse folded, when I was doing the Brody thing, mm-hmm. every time I would see him in the city of Atlanta, I had CDs because we were pressing up our own shit. Mm-hmm. So I was literally, every time I saw him, I'm giving him one of the CDs. We was trapping in the street. We used to selling CDs and T-shirts yep. and shit. Yep. To the point where Doom got to where he would just approach me like, well, what you got for me? Ah. So if you listen to the end of the record I did with Blockhead, Keep Playing, mm-hmm. and I named the track Here You Go, mm-hmm. that was to Doom. And this, mm. the snippet that's on that album is him saying, what you got for me? Nice. <laughs> nice. So that's that's a cookie spoiler right there. If you didn't know, Peace that's to the actually God. Doom at the end of that Blockhead record I did keep playing, asking me for music. Wow. Wow. That's fire, dude. So let me ask you this. You said something earlier that I think is fascinating. Um, and it doesn't, maybe it applies to Booze Brothers because you said they were under ice like Steve Rogers, which is the illest shit. Uh, I, I remember first catching wind of them and like, I'm looking back on my iTunes. I think it was 2016 on uh, Tango and Cash. That was the first yeah. time I heard of Booze Brothers on uh, Uncut, on Uncut. Yeah, I was going to say Uncut. Yep. Yes. Yo. So they had that joint. And it was, um, and it was your shit. Point Break, you and Block, with yeah. Conway, H Pone, and Booze Brothers. Yeah. And I used to play that shit at the gym all the time. And I would come on. I, I would go crazy for these dudes. I was like, Yo, these dudes are fucking wild. I love it. Um, but when you said yeah, earlier, Philly. Yes. Okay. So the um, so the thing that was I was fascinated about was saying and maybe you could fill me in with Booze Brothers specifically, and you too. When you said about Buckshot and Biggie, and like, you know, Biggie was a king of that shit of doing like, you know, like, uh, you know, I know you hear me on the radio. True. I know you hear me on the video. Yeah. Like singing, right? You talked, you said specifically about being in the studio, right? What, this is the thing I'm interested in, in now because like I'm in my crib. I've been recording myself in my, in my own studio for fucking 15 years, but I was in studios with like mixing boards and all that way before I was even comfortable buying my own shit. What, what do you think is important about that specifically? Like now being in the studio is you're 21, 23, 24, 25. I don't know. You can just buy a mic. You could just have a laptop. You're just in your crib doing shit. Like, is there a difference between being in an actual studio when there's money on the clock, there's a sound soundboard, big, big speakers versus just sitting in your basement, like what, like definitely. Can you that down for me? And and if the, if you think there is a difference, like how do you think that applies to people like you and Booze Brothers? 
there's a different intent. Mm-hmm. There's a different intent, especially when that's when you come from, from that era. Mm-hmm. Because him low, especially, he's got, they have so much music. Like they just keep, they have a recording studio literally down the street from them. They've been recording with the same person for like 12 years, or mm, 15 yeah. or 13 years, right? And him low was telling me the other day that, yo, I still be just getting an hour, but if I'm really just doing something, it only takes me 15 minutes, 20 mm-hmm. minutes to do something, get in and get out. And it's like, I think it's a psychological portion to that because even with me, every album I've ever done, I've always freestyled a significant amount in the studio. Of mm. and you write something, you might have the verse down. You might have it razor sharp. But once you get on the microphone and you start getting a playback and you actually can hear your words and be able to be like, yo, and then you have other people there. You got the engineer or whoever's recording yep. with shit. Right. It's a different energy and you always can tap in differently. You know what I'm saying? You have ideas, spontaneous ideas, at least for me. I'll write something and the way I write is different anyway. I've had people in my ex groups and other rappers I've been around and shit and we'll write together and they'd be like, yo, you write crazy as shit. I don't even (laughs) know how the fuck you even put that together. And it's just the way I've always had, where they've told me recently, somebody else from back then had hit me like, yo, you know, I picked up this and this from you when we was writing together and shit. He was like, yo, I noticed how you have put certain things to the to how you play certain things, this and that. Mm. But yo, that all comes from being in the studio too. Like I'm from an era where motherfuckers was, especially my clique, we'll go to the studio and be there all night long and shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sleeping on the floor, coming up with shit. There's another term I like to use with every artist I deal with too. Is like, yo, all right, this is what I liked. This is really dope. But what's the new energy? You know, mm. people can always feel new energy in every project. Mm. There's shit you've got that's hot that you've held for a while. Right. But you always got to put that new energy in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something Indeed. I've always done, but the artists I be around now and shit is something I always notice is like that last bit of energy, that new energy that you put on a project, like that cherry on top, mm. it transcends it and people can actually tangibly feel that new energy. Yeah, like, It's a weird thing, but from seeing and doing this multiple times, I'm truly seeing that that's real. Like even the song Blockhead, Point Break, the record was done. Album was done. I decided because one day I had seen West Side Gun on uh, Twitter and shit. Mm-hmm. It's like 2014, 2015. And he was like really pushing a brand. And I was, you know me, I'm intestinally, I'm like, yo, I'm always supportive of that type of approach to shit. Right. Because I'm honestly, uh, I come from that, yo, we get, we gonna press up 100 CDs. We gonna press up 50 t-shirt, t- yep. t-shirts. We're gonna rent a van. We're gonna go to this event here. We're gonna mm-hmm. to it. We're gonna go to Scribble Jam. We're gonna go to Rocksteady. We're gonna go to North Carolina. We're gonna go to Philly. We're gonna, you know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. what I come from in the early 2000s. Right, right. So when I seen that approach, I was like, yo, I respect what the fuck they doing over there. Cause that's that from the muscle, from the mud shit. Yo, 
I seen him one day like, man, y'all better get on my brother Conway. Da 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 da. He nice and he coming up. The price about to go up and shit. Yo, mm. I stepped to them like, yo, I appreciate what y'all doing. I, I got a track that I just got from Blockhead. I was like, yo, I like Ball. I think he gonna be something in a few. And I I I, I A and R that move. Wow. I said, yo, I want you on the joint. I got that verse from him back then. Blockhead was like, yo, I'm kind of familiar, but I don't really know who they are and shit. Right. But got that Conway verse, got the Booze Brothers on it, got H Point was like, yo, this gonna be a joint. And fucking XXL magazine picked that shit up. Yep. So I was like, whoa, you know, they were already by the time it landed, this is yep. before Fly Guy dropped, man. Yeah. I had right. that feature before Fly Guy dropped. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> and that's another thing I learned from MF motherfucking Doom. Rest in peace, <laughs> the villain, he'll never die. But the thing is this. This is another reason I reached out and got Action Bronson when I did on that on Machete Vision way mm. early before he blew. Mm. Or when it was even close. He was like just grinding and I respected him and Mayhem's grind. I was like, I was working on an album. I was like, yo, as a, the A&R and he was like, yo, features, these are two cats I respect. I was cool. Both of them at the time really just building with them and shit. And I was, mm -hmm. they got on it. You know what I mean? And it came out fire. But I learned and took that approach of not waiting around from Doom. Ah. Because in the year 2000, maybe close to when No Dessert and Shoplifter and my single was coming out on Suburbs, I used to talk to him on the phone all the time. Damn. So, yeah. I remember he was around Science of Life, but Just was there. It was a whole collective of us in Atlanta. It wasn't mm -hmm. like... We were separated from each other. Everybody had each other numbers. I would see him at MJQ or at Yin Yang Cafe with his wife and shit. Wow. He'd chop it up with him or talk to him on the phone. So one day we build in more and more as my record is coming out because he was like, yo, you single is dope. The shoplifter joint. You fucked with that. Mm. And I was like, yo, you know, ID already gave me a bunch of beats just got a bunch of beats for me already he was, I was like we just was polishing up I don't even know if we did no dessert yet but no we did it because it was done he was telling me that the single was tight because all three of them songs were done right around the same time wow so I was like yo you know I'm a need song from you on the album he was like yo because he was talking to just all the time so he knew my budget he's like yo your budget gonna be around 10k he's like yo as soon as your budget get here I'm gonna give you beats for like 200 a pop. So I'm looking at that like 200 a pop. What is this Doom? Fucking yeah. Whoa. But this is like 2000. So this is not Doom. This is like, okay. this is Doom. Right. Like uh, Subverse had just put out uh, Operation Doomsday again. Wow. So this ain't Doom. This is Doom like coming up to, yo, Doom was coming up to me in Atlanta at, after shows because he had did a show at Yin Yang with the bandana and shit. Mm -hmm. And it ain't really go off like that. Mm. Came up to me like, yo, man, I got to do what y'all doing. Because we mm. was tearing shit down at that time. Damn. Mm. how we was tearing the shows down. He was like, yeah, man. I remember one show he did at Yin Yang where people wasn't really feeling it. It was okay and shit. We was feeling it because we knew the album. But most of the people there was just like, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> underground dude with a fucking bandana on his face. Who cares? Right. So... He told me 200. I'm looking at him like 200. Now, mind you, I'm kind of had my little trees and shit at the time with for everybody. So I'm like, 200? Nigga, I'll give you a quarter pound of shit. The fuck you want? So he was like, shit, that might work. 
But then we didn't talk again. Why he went to Cali and did Mad Villain? The uh, next time I uh, seen him, dude, yo, the next time I seen him, he was very hard to get tracked down. Very uh, difficult. Everything changed. He was moving around. You had a mouth full of gold teeth. I have my little Eddie's gold front here. He pointing at my mouth, laughing and shit. Like, ah, I see you and shit. Mouth shining. He had that fresh glow because Mad Villain was done. The impact was just hitting. Yeah. It was a whole different thing. But that experience right there with Doom, where I had the chance to be like, yo, I could have just gave him like a stack, like give me five beats right there. Wow. Don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah. Yeah. And that taught me from there. I didn't end up getting a beat from him till like 2012 and shit. Yo, what um I want to echo that sentiment about the difference of like having some studio experience. Yes, you are over the studio man. Do it over your um. We'll you know what I'm saying over your yeah. over your initial you know rap career. So like even if you start like I me personally I started with the um bathroom studio. You know the man mm-hmm. he in his living his bedroom, and then the mic in the tub. And for every this is not like myth. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we this is really what's good because that was the best acoustics in any house, yeah. And and you know, a, in the 90s, built in reverb, it, it just works, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So, I've gone from gnome studios to um, we built a studio in my man's backyard from scratch. And I remember we were doing everything in that built studio, we, like you, um. Anybody know if you went to like home? Remember they had like those uh, tool sheds that you could build from like scratch. They give you all the <laughs> pieces and shit. So we built it to spec where we could call fit in there. We built the booth in there and all that. So that was sufficient. But still, on our two main songs, we went to this place up in Philly, Big Sky Audio, Ooh. and paid like I don't know what we paid. My manager paid, but you know this is like this is like early two thousand. So it, it could have been a stack each song mm-hmm. or something. But that was big because we had like twelve other songs. So we had like right. twelve songs. Mix and master ourselves, but then two at Big Sky Audio. Uh, uh, audio, and then um, also at this time we were we were consulting with Jazzy Jeff, but we wouldn't do anything at his studio. And this is what I, this is what I'm I'm feeling on this fact. But we would go and sit mm. in there with him and yeah. talk mm-hmm. to him in the studio with the wood panel. Soak up the energy at, at Touch of Jazz. Boys to men are running around in their rooms out in the yeah. hallway, like you say. Wait, was that, that the that, spot on Delaware Ave? Yep. Touch the jack. And when you took the elevator, you took the elevator up it. Yeah, I know that's about feel that way. Like I said, we didn't never record, we never record anything out of touch of jazz, but we would meet and talk to Jazzy Jeff in there. Boys to men, Wanye B it running back from room A to B. And you just feeling that. So so you start realizing, okay. I, I remember I picked up one skill that I'm never gonna have to rely on the muse on the shoulder. I'm not gonna sit and wait for some verse to come upon me from hither or whatever. If I'm sitting there and Jay-Z need a verse right there, I'm gonna figure out how to write a verse right there. And also it'd be quality. There was a lot of, um, you know, it, it was it was big pride in them days. So you would go home and you really wanna work on your shit and chisel your right. shit, but you still had to have that same ability to come up with some uh, quality on the spot. And the studio, and this is my main point, made you present. You had to be present. You're paying for time. More Mm -hmm. important people are looking at you. You can make mistakes and they can fix them, but why? Do it right the first time, it sounds the best. So you're present. I I never got into the studio to hang out and waste time. I miss some of that. Like I wish Mm -hmm. I got into D&D with all of that. I even went to West Coast and got just to have that experience. But at the same time, when I got to the studio, it was time to work. It was never time to play. 
and you would take that with you to your home studio. So I had friends that um, go way off tangents. I had one engineer, this motherfucker. We, we talking about tails on the dark side and shit like that, but I'm always like, <laughs> hold on. Let's get the work done, clock me out, and then we can get into all the rigmarole and all that stuff. So I think a studio for a seasoned MC to stay sharp, like we're talking about, it keeps you present. It keeps you there. If you get into a home studio situation, Z, it's cool, but it could be too comfortable. I know yes. cats in their home studio, they don't have a chair. They stand up. They have the standing mm -hmm. desk. Right. You want to stay, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. present. You're yeah. home, you can go to your fridge, but you don't want to feel like that. I remember Odyssey saying he kept work hours. He had a studio in his crib, but he kept work hours. He got yeah, up. Listen, I recorded in Said G's home studio, right? Mm. That's when I got, like, I left up top, right, because there was no opportunities in Philadelphia for mm -hmm. any rappers or anybody that was trying to do what we were doing at that time. Point blank, period. The roots had to leave to go overseas. Yep. You know mm. what I mean? To yep. get on. Moving London. It was no, there's still no love in Philly. That's partially why I created what I did. But the thing is that when I left and I got, it was funny because I was in a freestyle competition thing, ended up winning it and got hooked up with 321 Records to fly to go. They flew me to New York to work with Said G, right? He was living in Manhattan, in, uh, Harlem at the time. So we over there. And mind you, it's one of these Harlem cribs where it's New York to death, where it's just a huge living room, right? Mm -hmm, Probably mm -hmm. about the size of where I'm at right now. And the kitchen. And that's the ba the bathrooms in the kitchen and shit with the shower in there next to, you know, so, so it's just one huge one room. He had like shit carved in the carpet and all that, right? Like symbols and all that. <laughs> so, yo, straight up. He was wow. a vegetarian and all that back then. Dude, doing science gave me my his copy of Behold the Pale Horses shit. We there it is. Got a different science, right? <laughs> That's the key right so, there, yeah. But he had all his MP and equipment right there on the wall and shit. So mm. even though it was, it wasn't a studio per se. It was still like, yo, I was flown there to do a job. Yeah, right. He ended up doing vibe. like three songs, but I got to live with the cat for like a week. To get them songs done, I'm talking about going with him to play basketball and going around the city and he having chicks through and going to eat dinner, vegetarian dinners. My first time I ever had like the tofurkey shit and all that. Yeah, Castro <laughs> loves that. Castro loves I mean? tofurkey. So it's no, like, no. it's a different kind of, of pride that you got to have. Like you can't, like I was there to body shit. Like that's right. how I went in. Like, yo, I want to make sure that you don't just throw this shit away and it ain't wasted. That's mm -hmm. the thing. Now motherfuckers are going to say anything. You know what I mean? That's why another thing with the Booze Brothers that made me do it, it's a lot of different things. We could be here for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. It's the <laughs> fact that they're really them and people are yearning and trying to be that 90s shit that we talking about that we yeah. actually come from. Yeah. But they not trying. They're not pretending. This is right. it. uncut raw. Mm -hmm. It right there. It's been a block of ice. They're not even him. Low don't even give a fuck about social media. He don't want to do no interviews. He don't want to talk to no rappers. He really don't want to collab with anybody. He doesn't care. And that's why I love him. You know that's what I'm amazing. saying? Because I don't really care either. I have to do this shit partially because you know 
my online shit is therapy. I'm a part of that, mm-hmm. that wave. I love technology. But at the same time, I tell any artist, if you look at Lord B. Jitsu, people don't even know what the fuck he looks like. Mm-hmm. But he's but got a diehard cult following for like eight years and shit. Look at that. You know, I was thinking about Grilchi in a different framework back in 1998. I wrote it down in a black and white notebook, right? Wow. I had my rhyme books and I was thinking about my first album and I got this thing called The Annals where it's just like stories because I was smoking a lot of herb back in 98. I was like, damn, man, I want to be able to remember all this shit. <laughs> so I was talking about chicks I smashed in 91, 92 and shit and just my people and what different goals and shit I had. But I also was talking about my album, breaking down the track list, what I wanted to mm. call it. It wasn't called that, it was nothing like that. But it was also that I wanted to have a label and what my label objectives were and shit like that. Wow. The, the characters and names have been changed, but a lot of that shit is still intact right now. Damn. That you're seeing in play day after day right now was written in a notebook in 1998. Damn. Prophecy. Shit. Let's hit that break, Z. Yeah, let's take a break. Shouts to Mark Speck, Booze Brothers, Grill Cheap Party. We're here at Co-op Culture, Alaska, Curly Castro, me, Zilla Rock. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we're going to talk about why the cats, unlike us, can't fucking rap on beat anymore. Oh, this is sad. Not right. We'll be right back. Oh. <laughs> culture audience members. Uh, new update on my album Midnight Suns with Charm Wizard. We have sold out of the first print of vinyl, second variation with the new artwork and the new gray and black splatter. Wax is available. Very limited quantities. We also have the second pressing of the cassette with the new variant artwork, the second pressing of the CD new green highlighted artwork and then the wool hand stitched hats from the good folks at Ebbetsfield Flannels my favorite retro baseball clothing company for many years because I'm a quasi boomer uh, those are available well by the hat you also get the variant CD thrown in as well for free how you like them out so go to childwizard.bandcamp.com thank you if you've already supported Midnight Sounds it's my biggest record of all time and I've been at this a long time so thank you so much Shablav, Shablam, Sadiq. Call out there. back here. More expect the illustrious CEO, Grilchi. Uh, so this is the main topic, and and Mark has touched on so many dope things that are connected to the topic that are his own history. Um, but the thing we started off with, and based on something I share with the world, is uh, why in the fucking world would a person who's been rapping most of their life probably 20 to 30 years what what would what would steer somebody in the direction of losing the most fundamental part of rapping which is rapping on beat unless that was your flow from the beginning like you made those choices but it's weird when you know and a lot of people like john morrison a couple of the cats are like you know emailing vocals to these european dudes or, or random producers and they're not lining your shit up and they're True. just chucking it out there, yeah. which I think is a real problem. <laughs> that's a and big, that's a big listen, problem. Yo, shouts to G Dubs, the homie in Queens. Like he he barked on me years ago about that, where I didn't line up his vocals. Where I, I still think it sounds dope, but he always was like, no, that's listen, not how I did it. I'll always follow the direction of the reference. Right. Uh, the adjustments can be made after. Yes. But if there's a reference in the email, click you on. You gotta that. follow, right? And so there, there's been times like me guilty of of producing 
and moving people shit around. And sometimes it actually works out better where you find like a new pocket for this person. And you, but you gotta run it by and I'd be like, yo, is this is this cool? You're like, oh, you know what? This kind of fr- kind of fly. Other people are like, fuck no, stick to the reference only, not a problem. And that's happened to me with producers where I have to check them and be like, hey, before this comes out, you gotta fix this. I gotta hear it. But that's a different issue, right? Because yeah. it can't be every fucking verse I hear from you with someone pasting your shit. Nah, correctly. that's not what we're talking about. We that talking doesn't about. work. And even if it is, you're just not on quality control for your shit. Period. Right? Right. You're allowing right. that shit to come out. That's, that's a problem. bigger problem, right? That's like, why would you want problem. someone? I mean, I, I get it. You know, you're getting the bag for. But a we cameo, talking but... fundamentally. Somebody's uh, it's like it's rap decay, like I seen rap half life. Mm. Right? Probably right. the name of the show. So some goes down. Like rap I remember, decay. I remember when I heard Karis One. Karis One is an interesting case because I felt like, and we're gonna name names. We're not disrespecting anybody. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. observation. No, but Karis One, I felt like he was becoming stubborn with it. Mm. So he was getting beats. They were doing different things than even the BDP days, but he's like, no, I'm rapping like this. So I remember Karis one kind of just being on top of beats. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so you're not necessarily off beat, but you're not doing the dance. You know what I'm saying? And so I just thought it was like, you know, he's stuck in his ways. He'd been rapping this way successfully for so many years. Boom, so be it. Right. Then I noticed a cat like Starang Wonder. Restrain Wonder, yeah, yeah. So he's he, he, Strain Wonder was a master of swing, right? Mm-hmm. One same to one same to make things too complicated, but he had that swing and the charisma, right? Yes. So his phrasing yes. was a certain way. He could say, ah, you know, he would do a little extra, a little uh, more. Nah, he had the he had an ill cadence. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So then I hear, I think it started on Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. So like when you all right, so this is where I noticed it. If you're in a group of more than like two cats, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you line them up, right? Last, somebody's first, somebody's the second best, third best or whatever. And I mm-hmm. remember on Empire Strikes, Top Dog was always kind of the, the, no, excuse me, I'm sorry. It was, it was Louisville, mm-hmm. um, Starang, and um, yeah, Top Dog. Mm-hmm. And Top Dog was always kind of the, the weakest. Correct. And then I remember on Empire Strikes, he wasn't the weakest. Strang was the weakest. It was like they flipped, the pyramid flipped, and I didn't get it. Because Strang's stuff used to seem effortless. You know, the Red Man sample song. Yeah, it just seemed like it was nothing for him. Some cats rapping is just nothing. They wake out of Cappadonna. They roll out of bed. They they can do an album out of bed. And then I noticed his stuff was more choppy. I, um, there was a little difference in his voice. Mm. So like, um, Spec, when you brought up thing about medical conditions, I don't know, this is speculation. Something happened. And what I notice is when something happens, it's hard for them to reach back into the ether and get that back. Like Eminem will never flow like underground Eminem. I'm, I'm tap dancing. I remember he used to me, he used to sound like he was white guy tap dancing on stuff. Right. The way he just right. be in and out, in and he out. Did. He would be like yeah. a horn player. There's a lot of people though that you could say that about from you could say that about people say that about Nas. People say that about <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? Right. To where when you heard them was the rawest you heard them. But it's also a lot of things and factors that go into that. Not just that they, you feel like they declined, it's also your taste changing too. Yeah, Because okay. they're changing, you know what I'm saying? Right. Some people will never understand. I was talking to uh, someone about Operation Doomsday, matter of fact. And they didn't get it 
And because they weren't around in 99 to feel it, how I felt it when we heard that shit in 99, mm-hmm. 2000. Right. He was like, yo, I like food better, or I like this other thing better. There's people right. that'll be like, yo, I like it was written better than Illmatic. That's right. right. Professor. There's just different people and different tastes and different times that you, you know, I've got a generation in this shit which is 20 years, you know what I'm saying? Right. Being directly attached to the culture. So I'm at a position to know what the old heads was talking about when I was a young boy, but still I'm young enough to hear and kind of understand where the young boys are with the way they feel about shit. You know right. what I'm saying? It's the yep. middle. So being middle-aged, you're able to see kind of both sides to be able to say like, yo, it's really about where this person was in their lives when they caught that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So Alaska, mm-hmm. let me ask you this, dude, because you, okay. I, I'm, I fuck with you all the time. Oh, you, yeah. are, you are the oldest person well, in the history of the show, but you're, you're like, you're, you're in your sharpest chamber right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm not just saying this cause we did a record and it's fucking dope and we sold really well and, <clears throat> and shouts to everybody that fuck with cargo Colts. But like, if you were on some, broken down old man shit at the park with 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 the fucked up sneakers on and you can't dribble and like i'm not picking you like i wouldn't give you the beats i would be yeah, like sure. nah bro you, you gotta but wait mm. but wait here's the caveat so somebody like luda he's a flow god right, right. he's never not gonna be able to flow he just came in with a flow alaska Same you're a Snoop. flow god you right. came in with with that metronome you able to lock in how can you see yourself falling off of that like how would that even well occur? i can't do what i used to do though like i used to be like fast in patterns and all that shit and i can't do that shit anymore like my jaw doesn't work that way anymore <laughs> so if i if i try to do that my words are going to get lost i don't know if i'll fall off beat but it's not going to be as tight and it's not going to be in the pocket so i had to slow down mm. like it's almost like how jordan had to develop a mid-range right and it's right. funny because like, so i had to develop slow. a new skill that i didn't right. necessarily have before um, because I was just like all forward momentum. And now it's like, I could kind of sit back in a pocket and, and focus on things. Like I don't need, to, like I used to just be like all syllables, all fucking patterns on top of each other going fast. Right. And I can't do that shit anymore. Like I could still do like patterns and syllables, but it, it's a much more slowed down and sort of less fatty version of that. <laughs> um, but, I, but I think, Kind of what you were saying about strange falling off. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's also like, and it, it ties back into what, what Mark was saying about, like you come in in an era and your style might not necessarily translate into the next mm-hmm. iteration of what's right. going on, right? Yeah. So your voice yeah. might not work with the beats that are fucking hot now. Like, and that Shit. could be like a two to three year change. Yeah. You know, the sonics will switch up and, and the drum patterns will switch up. But like strange was perfect in that early beat. Starang? You call this motherfucker strange? Strange. Starang. And you just got to find them people because there's literally yeah. something for everybody. Like that's yeah. what all I operate off of is there's a particular <clears throat> base for whatever you got. Yeah. You're just finding them, pinpointing them and just directing everything towards them and not really looking to the left or right or right. worrying about it's just how you feel about what you're doing and then get in with the people directly who feel what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Music right now is like everybody does music, man. Mm-hmm. 
everybody looking at what else can you do? You know, motherfuckers are looking like Vision and Scarlet Witch out here to get by and <laughs> chips in their fucking heads and shit. Yeah, it's like literally, you literally start, looking like Vision. Yeah, you got to start up. like, and that's where I'm at with it. Like, I'm so just. People have been like, yo, when you gonna rob him again? I'm like, yo, that's cool. That was me. There. I've been I've been asking you, man. I've been trying to see you. You got a verse on the new him low. You got a verse on the you got a verse on the new him low. It's a remix. It's a remix joint. It's unheard. It wasn't on a CD before. It'll be on CD now. And it'll be heard different because Giallo pointed the beat, but you heard the verse a couple years ago. Nice. It was on my last album with uh him low and rock. It's basically a remix of that song. But Giallo Point, the dope thing about him, when he remixes something, he turns it into a whole different song. Fire. Mm-hmm. Nice. I mean, like that Booze Brothers at a BZ recut, that's a masterpiece. Number one, namely because he totally reconstructed the album. Yeah, he did. He did. I listened to both. He really, and I like both, but he really, yeah, he really put They're both dope. In. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The, the presentation, the cover is a lot better. But every project we drop has a certain intent like that. You know what I'm saying? Where right. you're going to feel it. Like this Clever One shit with um, Lord B. Jitsu. Dude, we can't keep that shit in the house right now. See? <laughs> so, Z, let shit, me ask you. Yeah. Well, hold yeah. on, Mark. Z, let me ask you. Yep. I've, I've known you for a while. And yeah. um, you've been um, relevant and stuff. And I've, But I've also seen you dabbling in a number of styles. Right. So, so was that was that like we're talking about consciousness, like just staying, staying, um, staying present, staying current? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I always like I remember somebody said it to me on Twitter about like my taste. I think it might have been Joseph. Shouts to Joseph about something that I liked, where it was you know two totally different worlds. It might have been like I don't know, me talking about fucking Cloud Dead and fucking Sauce Money or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like Mark, like Mark said, like before we, before we we started recording the show about like all his music behind him, like. I got fucking Weezer CDs and I got DMX CDs and I got, you know what I mean? Like to me, that makes sense to know and love all different genres and styles of music all the time and not be clustered into one little corner. Like I only like fake alchemist beats, you know, like I don't like that shit is very weird. I don't understand people that like that shit where they only like one kind of music in any genre. Right. It makes it seem, it makes everything else seem disingenuous. It's it's weird. Like I don't get it, but you know, if that's your thing, cool. Like that's, that's not me, but I just always was fascinated by different records and like, you know, pre-internet you, you would like learn about the world through music and through movies and shows so like you would hear like a spanish flamenco record like what the fuck is that or like a an african rhythm song and you're like whoa where is this made from like man i have a soft spot playlist for 80s rock Mm -hmm. that's my that's my that i'm all about freestyle music fans stevie b (laughs) nah the shit that you were hearing motherfucking john cusack movies back in the 80s and shit And between that and like seventies, like when I was born, uh, funk jazz fusion records. Okay, those is my two sweet spots where I'm like, oh, and then of course reggae. But I got several chambers that's way outside of just hip hop. Like I downloaded an album today that's like some current psych. Um, the the um y'all probably heard of it. 
this shit right here, the um, Black Moth. Um, Black Moth Super Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tobacco. That's tobacco. Super Rainbow. Fuck yeah. yeah, yeah, that joint right That's here. That's tobacco. And I and, and tell y'all the truth, Some I think they don't. They don't give the us, church. They don't give us hip hop like purist um, credit for that. That right. we're aficionados, and I think that also keeps you present. So mm-hmm. like people don't understand. Yeah, we sampling. But don't, you don't think I'm gonna research that that record? Oh, where's that from? And now yeah, I'm gonna go. Right. I'm gonna go on a whole Pharrell Sanders binge, or I'm gonna go on a, on a you know on a Shit. like hip hop can take you any direction because we have reinvented, you know what was there and made it better. Like I think that's one thing. You know, I'm, I'm going on a little tangent, but I feel like you gotta start giving us credit for yo. We we took this old song, we made it better. Nobody's nobody's dusting these records off. Sorry, nah. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but now, you no, know, now now your man got the um. Track man, was, Bob yes, yes, yo, your yeah. man is prospering. Scheme, <laughs> he, and it, yeah. after he already been suing people, like yeah, yeah like, oh, he coming in like on the white horse. You yeah. been suing cats. You been making this money, and now you making so. I know, man. But I'll say this: like it's it's dope <laughs> when um like 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 a little technique I use because um you know the last like two three year burst for me has been the most fucking music I've ever dropped. Like right now, I got three records on deck for this year. And starting new projects like seemingly every week, but what I do is is some sh- it's some cheating shit. Where um, what's the name would we'll talk about this? Uh, Steve Kerr when he was playing ball before he was a coach, and this is something him and Phil Jackson used to talk about when he was on the Bulls. Where Phil Jackson would say to him like, "Yo, you're playing like you're playing too much like yourself, meaning like you're too predictable. Defenses swallow you up. Like everyone knows what the fuck you're gonna do out there." So. When you go out the next game, don't play like how Steve Kerr plays. Pick someone you fuck with and play like them. And so he would pick like, I'm going to play like fucking Dominique Wilkins. I'm going to play like Ron Harper back in the day. Like he was literally going out there being like, yo, how do these dudes play? Oh, they play like free and improvisational style instead of like standing in one spot. Like he started doing that shit and it opened up his game to where it was hard to defend him even as a role player. So I started doing that with, with with rappers and shit and being like, yo, when I do this song, when I do this verse, it's not going to be me, like how I would approach it. I'd be like, what would PD Crack do? You know what mm. I mean? Like, what would what would Raekwon do? What would fucking LP do? What would Vortal do? What would Big L do? And just think about it like that to take a break from doing it the same way because like when you start i think this kind of ties in the combo when you do just so many joints say say you're say you're ghostface right who you know we, we've done we've talked about go this is basically a ghostface podcast we <laughs> talked about ghost so much to celebrate him to be honest about some of the flaws but when he's been motherfucking ghostface killer since 1992-93 that's all he's been yeah his only job he's ever had and he's the best but when yeah. he does joints now especially the last like 10 12 years it's like people are like we want ghost face killer he's like i will give you ghost face killer when he was doing supreme when he was doing iron man and bulletproof he's like building what ghost face killer would mean to people so he could be singing he could be telling a story about getting his heart broken talk about humping the pillow so you know what i mean like a lot of that shit whereas now it's like talk about selling coke talk about punching people in the face talking yeah. about you know these four touchstone things and when he's so caught up, I think my, my theory is being so caught up and being these type of guys, they're set. They don't have that like exploratory nature of trying to find themselves 
and bumped their head a couple of times. Like, look, man, Nas was trying to do double time beats. You know what I mean? Like, IM's got some weird patterns. Nostradamus <laughs> has like some some interesting zigzags on that. Yeah, when, see? When, you, when you go, no, no, that, that that's hip hop is dead. When you go to like um, Nostradamus, like shoot him up, bang, bang, shoot him up. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like fucking with different like 99, 2000 drum patterns, like bouncing around. But then someone like Busta, his whole style has been watered this whole time. Like when it's 94, I rhyme like it's 94. When it's 02, I rhyme like, and then I'm going to be better than the people in 09 and then 2020 and all that shit. So I just think it's like when you kind of box yourself into like, Oh, I want an Alaska Hanger 18 verse. Well, imagine you only ever rap like that, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I want I want a Mark Speck 02 rhyme from people. And Mark Speck's got to give me the Mark Speck 02 verse. Like you said, to feed your family, your, your pops is sick. You got to pay for your kids, whatever. Yeah, You're yeah. going to just keep cranking the wheel. And it's like a hamster. You know what I mean? Just keep going on the hamster wheel round and round and I round. I mean, there's people that honestly don't know anything about me from past two, oh, 2002 or 2003 like they're stuck right there or totally they thought they don't know any of my later shit from past that point honestly like mm-hmm. there's tons of people out there like then there's people that know me from like machete vision there's people know me from blockhead shit but there's still people mostly they want to hear shit from 2001 to 2003 like that's what that zone right there mm-hmm. is what yeah. people are really familiar with me from and locked in with me. The rappers I'm talking about, not the just the fan people like that, but the right. rappers and shit, yeah. they know me from that time period of being around Justin and all them. Mm. That's mm-hmm. where, you know, it's orbital mechanics. <laughs> Yeah, even that's Billy Woods' shit right there. That's how I got the really, really cool with him. Was off of that verse from that song. But the thing is, is people that was on no dessert before that. You know what I'm saying? That was equally. That's how I met Despot and all those guys Ooh. from that no dessert verse and shit back then. Damn. To the year 2001. You know what I'm saying? So we did rock steady and tore that shit down. I have video of that. New York City. 2001 driving over the bridge looking at the tower and shit and they would come down in like a month yeah you know what i'm saying that rock steady weekend i got vordo freestyling out there in at the fucking in uh manhattan wherever that was and here was it like pier 16 pier yeah 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 it's just footage that's golden that i gotta really like put it together one day and be like yo this footage is really golden I think even like Gangstar was performing in the background Jesus. in that year or some shit. Damn. So it's it's a lot of shit. Now that's why I look at things, man. Like right now, I'm I'm probably the most stress free I ever been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, even with preach. a lot of shit on my plate with the label, right. you know, we yeah. got three releases about to drop. Shit, you you yo, you can fuck around and grab two from Wrecking Crew this year if you want to just get even more stressed out. <laughs> <that's the> <laughs> Dude, she trying to pass off work. We be I'm already in December. I know you are, bro. Yo, yo. Like, I no, hit you up like oh, last I September. Had... You're like 2021 booked. I was like, shit. Yeah, my <laughs> yo. And the thing is, I feel like we're about to put out some of our best shit. That's the best to date yeah. across right. the board. Like we've put out some fucking heat, but 
And that's another thing that I was telling you about from 1998 is this is a very defined vision I had. Like I brought the booze. I, I started with myself with this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. got, I was able to prove something tangibly with Machete Vision to get mm-hmm. a distribution deal after fucking with uh, Hypnot. Yep. I let Hypnot yep. put out two projects just to kind of learn everything I've done has been to learn the inner mechanics of what labels do. Mm. From fucking with MF Grimm with Day by Day, I learned something that reconfirmed some shit that I had already known about labels. And then I was went dolo again, just like, yo, I'm not messing with any labels. Um, me and No put out Machete Vision. Yep. But they following was already so big and he was already so in tune with selling music independently. He put me on the band camp. Woo. That was 2011. Jesus. So when I saw what Bandcamp was, I was like, oh shit, this shit is a whole other platform than just iTunes. Right. And that we cleaned up on that. You know what I'm saying? That enabled me to do my deal with uh pretty much hypnot put mm-hmm. the next two records out for me. I put out, I did the shit with Gary Wilson, if you're mm-hmm. familiar with Gary Wilson. Mm-hmm. I did that shit to take a break from Machete Vision because I was tired of rhyming. That project, I had met Gary Wilson on like Twitter or some shit back then. <laughs> Being a fan of his work he did for Stone's Throw. Yeah, and hell I was yeah. like, dude, da 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 da. So he ended up, we ended up chatting on the phone. He sent me the reels after the idea I had to just rhyme over some of his beats. He was sending me reels from the projects he did in the 70s, but God he took his vocals off. Whoa. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Matter of fact, that project got mad because I was like, damn, I'm doing shit on the reels from the 70s. I got Peter Humphreys to master that shit. Oh, that's my man on, uh, man, what's it called? Masterworks. Masterwork yeah, and him and Albert. Yep. My, my, yeah. my peoples. Yep. I got Peter. Peter. And he's still using that old equipment in there. Yes. He's OG. So back then, he was using the old equipment back then. Mm-hmm. I think he switched his studio from then. But he's a shit. His, he had, he was able to capture that warmth in it to keep it like yep. that. So boom, this is why I went into that long-winded story. That's the first thing I really pressed up with Grochi. Mm. Was that Broken Mazes project to do something for myself. Like, yo, I believe in the project. Stone's Throw passed on it. Damn. Peanut Butter Wolf, I think, said this shit sounded cool, but he didn't want to put it out. And I was mm-hmm. like, damn, man. I thought Stone's Throw would have for sure put my shit out. Cause that yeah, shit was fire. That's what I felt like. I tell every artist this, like you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to put my shit out on Stone's Throw. Like I totally was like, I fit the aesthetic. Damn. My people are over there. They're getting closer and closer to putting some shit out. So boom, once they had passed on the shit, cause I was on email uh, with Peanut Butter Wolf. Damn. So boom. He passed and shit. I was like, I told Gary, I was like, it's okay. We're, I'm going to put that shit out still eventually. I put out, ended up getting the um, distribution with Fat Beats after I opted out of dealing with Hypnot. I only did two-year deals with them with the Blockhead joints. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not trying to be a part of no independent labels or any <laughs> labels for that matter at all. Like, that's not even my stilo. I'm not looking to get signed nowhere. I'm eventually going to end up putting my shit out. So Grochi was in the works for about 2009. I was started thinking about Grochi 
face. That was my website. Crazy. I was writing for Combat Jack at the time too. Um, rest in peace. Yeah, rest yeah, in peace. Salute to the God, yo. So yo, Combat just... Jack was how I ended up meeting, and well, not him, but Dallas Penn was how I ended up meeting Combat Jack. But that's, that's how I met the whole blog scene. Plus, I was Damn. going to South by Southwest every year. I went to mm. South by Southwest with Backwoods. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, well, yeah, what you? Shit, that was probably like 08, 09. Okay. Damn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, deep, so bro. I was still doing shit with, because they put out the Invisible Men shit for me. Yep. And that's you, you Backwoods. and Carnage, right? That was yeah, you and me Carnage? And Carnage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fire, man. Okay. Yo, but let's, yeah, let's, dude, let's... I had that grouchy idea in my head for a minute. It was a vision. So, boom. I put out Broken Mazes and the Keep Playing Shit with Blockhead. Both of those did well at Fat Beats. Yep. I was enough to, and at the same time I was doing that, I was dealing with the Booze Brothers telling him low and Clev, like, yo, I'm taking you to this label. I took him to like Man Bites Dog, a couple other places, everybody all passed on him, right? Mm. I was like, damn, yo. Man Bites oh, Dog passed? No, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they passed on the Booze Brothers, definitely. Oh, Off boy. top, that was like oh, 2014, boy. though. You know what I mean? They oh, was dealing, mm-hmm. oh, they was just dealing with Rock, Rock Marcy and whoever Rock was bringing through. Yep. Yeah, no, I was, on, I, was on, I was on Man Bites Dog right before they got rock. I put out. Yeah, my man Double A B was on there. Yeah, Double A B. Doug Vastel was yeah. on there. Matter of fact, yeah. I think well, I was copy give copy my... was the big artist at that time. Copyright. Yeah, copyright. A couple people, but they had rock too. So it was a couple yep. of things they was doing. And I was like, yo, take the Bulls Brothers. They passed, but a couple of people passed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was telling him low and clever, I'm going to get y'all a deal. If I don't get y'all a deal, I'm going to do this grocery thing. I'm going to put you on. And I'm going to find a way to get y'all on. Not having no sales history or nothing is always harder. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When you deal with distribution. Right. I didn't want to see that. Especially, I was doing good enough to where they were getting more records from me to put in the spots so on my distribution deal was right. popping. Like I was moving, you know, my units enough to where Fat Beats was continuing to do business with me. That was like 2016. So by the time I approached them in 2017 with the Booze Brothers, like, yo, I'm officially putting somebody else out other than just myself. They took a slight chance on it. You know, they only took like 50 CDs from me or something. Okay. We ended up doing that like four or five times. Damn. Yeah. So that showed them, yo, we got to listen to spec. We might be on the song. Straight up. Yeah. So that gave them the confidence to be like, yo, okay, we we want to tap in with you. And I continued on with the Booze Brothers for another like two years when I was like, yo, I feel confident enough to offer some diversity. And I was looking in Philly for a young boy. I was like, yo, I know somebody in Philly. I'm going to tap in with them to get some young talent to add to the roster because that's really all we need. Yeah, Just some young talent to mix in with, you know, you don't want to get complacent. The Bulls mm-hmm. Brothers was already do, starting to really do their thing. Right. Give, it's Every project is growing. Oh, hold on, hold on. Fucking headphones. These, I, I, these AirPods and shit. But um, the Bulls Brothers start really inclining every project. And I said, it's time to get young talent. So I was talking to uh, Sadu Rold about some shit. 
It's like 2018. But he had already just signed a deal with Nature Sound. So he was yes. like, yo, I just literally signed this deal, but I fuck with everything that we talking about right now. Because he was like, yo, I'm directly down with you. Like, he was already in tune. We was like, yo, we're going to work together, but we can't. I can't put my shit out because I got this shit album coming with Nature Sounds now. Right. The room so he introduced me. Seven shit. Yep. Yeah. So he yep. ended up introducing me to another artist. And Q3 was the producer. Ah, there you ah, go. Ah, there you go. So me and Q3 start literally building about this artist project. And the artist was like hanging around PD Crack and doing some different other things. And I was like, yo, this shit is going to be some dope shit. But that project ended up falling through because the artist was not all the way ready to go. Mm. So the more I built with Q3, I said, yo, you can actually make instrument. He put me onto his music he had been doing. I was like, oh shit. I want to gear my label towards instrumental projects. Bang. Mm. Not just young, young MC hungry rhymers, but for the future of Grilchi, you'll start seeing way more instrumental projects. There you go. Not really rhyming projects like that. But so he was already on the cusp of that before he way before he ever met me. So Crazy. when he came through and we did Death Strike, that shit was moving. People loved that record. It was like, oh shit, this is some entertaining fly shit, some instrumentation. Because mm -hmm. now, mind you, that wasn't regular, but for people like Mad Lib and fucking Dilla and like yep. Flying Lotus and. Yep. There's very few people that you could just bang out and know that they're going to give you like some type of raw instrumental hip hop album every go around. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. RJ. So shit that's how that brought that into the fold for diversity and Ooh. injecting youth into the youthful energy into Grilchi. You need that. It's like a basketball team. You got to have your first, second year guys next to your 13, 14 yeah, right. guys. Let's hit, a, let's hit another break, Z. Yeah, we're going to yeah. hit our the last break and we'll come back and then uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk of like rapid fire, our favorite dudes that never lost that step with time yeah, yeah, yeah. and then our, our, our biggest disasters like Starang Wanda. Not <laughs> <laughs> Strange Wanda, Alaska. God damn Strange. Dr. Strange. Starange. 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 No one's ever called him Starange. Wanda. W-O-N-D-A. Wanda. I don't know. All right, we'll be back. All right, Strange. When the alien mimics invade, small pearls just one of many recruits shoved into a suit of battle armor called a jacket and sent out to kill. Small pearl died in the only to be reborn each morning to fight and die again and again. On his 158th iteration, he gets a message from a mysterious ally, the neighborhood rebel known as Curly Castro. Is he the key to small pearl's hate or his final death? Blue Edwards, y'all. Small pro, Curly Castro. You know what it is. Wreck Bang, bang. Co-op culture, we're back. Final segment. We no, we ain't back. Yo, that's all Patreon. Yo, Patreon subscribers, man. You just heard all this incredible Mark Spec exclusive, files. Exclusive, exclusive. Straight from the vaults, man. No, no one heard but this. But Alaska, um, enlighten the, the listeners. What did you just say? Oh, I just said, because um, Mark was talking about how he's basically been rhyming for himself for the past two decades. 
Yes. And that's the key to not falling off, rhyming for yourself, making yourself happy, finding the joy in it. Like, I think one of the things that I wanted to bring up earlier, but we went to break was that um, a lot of dudes fall because they don't have joy anymore. Like, I think that's like, when you look at ghost, like to me, that's the biggest thing that's missing with joy, with ghost. There's no more joy in his rap. Nah. Just work. And, And from, you know, from basically Iron Man through, for me, it's pretty Tony. For some people, it's it's fish scale, but there was joy, and it's just not there anymore. Like, and I'm like, damn, that's like the biggest element that's missing. I think once a rapper loses the joy of the craft, yeah, once and, it becomes just music, yeah, it's not there. You know, like, and a lot of things can interfere with that. Like, it could be you know life shit, it could be label shit. Label shit's a motherfucker. Mm. Or just having like a perf- that being your only source of income, being like a rapper where it's like. Or even knowing choices um, and decisions based off of paying your rent and paying your mortgage, that's going to fuck with you because it's going to make you sort of get out of that zone of just making music for yourself. I don't know because I haven't kept up with Ghost's newest shit. I've been so busy, even with the uh, with Grochi, like I literally can't listen to nothing outside. But the last Ghost shit I heard that was really fucking murder was a song he did with Killer Priest for the Wugu. When they was doing oh, the yeah. herb yeah. shit, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And that wasn't that long ago, so I I don't like know, f- man, because that shit years? was that shit sounded fucking raw as shit to me. Mm. It, there mean, are occasions goes- where he'll like he'll give you sprinkles, but he that is like the whole album. But he's right, right, bro. Right, Ray sounds like, like he's yeah. thirty. Right, right. Yeah, he had a changed. good verse on that of Mike's and Men, the the lead, yeah. the first song. On yeah, that, yeah, he was coming off on that, but it's not that. Like, well, Ghost is an interesting case because he can still rhyme competent. Like, he can yeah, rhyme in his sleep. It sounds like, but this time, this is more rap by numbers than this is um, a rap strawberry kiwi. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when he the said- The production has to do with that, too. His production yeah. of late, like, a couple of them projects haven't had the production. I know, I feel you. Nah. I feel you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like he was he was way more daring. <clears throat> like, remember when he used to say, um, like a pot, I used to think he was talking about Pollock because that's what made the most sense to me. He said, "Your mm-hmm. painting ain't supposed to." I'm not going to explain you what a painting is. It's right, art. Right, right. You go and see. You make up for it. And then I would think about mm-hmm. Pollock stuff. And anybody's familiar with Pollock? It's like the splash stuff he would do. It's like splashes of mm-hmm. certain colors or whatever. And I remember Ghost to me being like a Pollock painting. You got to figure it out on your own. He's not going to give you a manual or mm-hmm. a rubric and tell you this word means that. Like the slang mm-hmm. is internal. And the slang is so internal, it's not even just New York slang, it's woo slang, which is slang within a slang. Right. And so right. if you weren't there, you don't know um, this person's name, I say, if you weren't there, you won't know what a wooly is and something like that, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still gonna put that all up in there. And I think nowadays, since they're, you know, they, they're more worldly, but he still can rap, so he just raps now. Whereas like back in the day, it was a little bit more flash. I think of somebody yeah. like, um, Vast air. It's when you bring up the joy thing. Mm-hmm. I see him keep trying. He, he seems like he's trying. Right. And you know, Vast has that tone. So you think he's having a good time. Right. But I, mm-hmm. I see him not taking a risk that he took on, you know, Cannibal mm-hmm. And I also feel like sometimes that's that gift and the curse. When you make such a, a great piece early on in your in, in your world, mm-hmm. right. you might try to chase that piece. Yeah. And that might be Facts. the wrong thing. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. some don't try to chase that piece. Just do another piece or a different type, a different shape piece. And I feel like you can be free from that. But if you keep chasing that, you're always going to mm-hmm. even let yourself down. And so 
there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of factors in what we're talking about with the, um, I mean, the rap half-life. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's elements of like, cause we've talked about this before too. Like when you have your notebooks before your first record, like you got all like your fucking fire verses that you've been working on for like five or six years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Boom, ready to go. And you go through your notebook and you don't have anything anymore. And now the pressure's on you to create on the level that people see you at. Do you like suddenly turn into Chuck Knobloch and you get the yips, mm-hmm. you can't throw to first base anymore? Straight up. Well, I mean, this is like another folks. thing we've missed. This we've glazed over it. And I've meant to say this too. And this goes back to Grochi is and the lesson I learned in 98 was that what I was reading, the books I was reading were about recreation. Mm-hmm. And there is no ability to have consistency and con- like and become a constant unless you can adapt to change and recreate. Yep. Mm. So you think That's about Jay. it from Doom to Sean Price mm. to anybody who was able to recreate themselves in a different way. Even yep. when um, Rock Marcy recreated himself. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. when Rock came out, it wasn't even nothing like that to me was still my favorite rock shit. You know what I'm saying? The early to the U.S. shit. Before that. Like, okay. Rock got a verse I heard in 97 that I was, like, trying to figure out who the fuck this person was for easily 10 years or more. Probably, mm. like, 2008. And I was asking, like, Robbie from Uncut and Dark yeah. Adams and all these people, like, Yo, do you know who this person? I'll send him a snippet of the joint. I'll be like, Yo, do you know who this rapper is right here? Mm. Nobody knew who it was. The white whale. And and then he recreated himself, and I was like, Yo, I think that's this cat right here. It was like, it was the days of you was recording the the whatever radio station vibes and vapors or rhythm yeah. and whatever. And late at night, you might just fall asleep with that shit recording. Mm-hmm. Get up, mm-hmm. like. All right, let me see who was catching wreck on this tape. While I was now, yep. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's from that era. So I was listening to this tape in 97, like, yo, who is bored? This shit is nasty. Mm. He like, collect my thoughts. My mind moves at warp speed. Sometimes I think to myself about greed. Why I smoke so much weed? And indeed, I love my freedom like my unborn seed. Formerly out of your league. I'm born like Sean Connery. Honor me with knowledge. Pure homage, I'm astonishing. Future promising, harnessing notes. Composer, I'll be catching the Holy Ghost over and over until I start sobering up. Shine, you know what I'm saying? Shine thought, he said, I spread, spread Ebola across tracks, computer viruses eating the wax. Send a fax to, the, to you verbally, snap your whole verb, vertebrae. My word plays exquisite, electricity. I heard this shit in 97, yo. And I was Damn. like, this shit right here is amazing. I was like, who the fuck is this? And I ain't find out who it was until later. By that time, yo, but he wasn't even rhyming like that no more. He was on some whole totally different shit on some pimp shit now. Like smoother smoother cadences, patterns. But I was like, yo, this this is still that person right there. But he recreated himself. And he's he's a prime example, bro. Like right now, he's still like, listen, I'm the biggest Rock Marcy fan in the world. I love this dude so much. He's I don't I don't think his last two or three albums are like super upper echelon because his highs are untouchable. But 
he could still like his flow, his voice, his patterns, what he's doing. Like he's still locked the fuck in. You know what I mean? Like that's just a matter of personal taste. Like his to me, rock's worst shit is like a seven out of ten. Worst shit. You gotta realize he came out in '97, bro. Right, and then and then flip mode is like '99, 2000, then and then he's gone. And he went on that hiatus like Cameron did between his first album and his third or second album. Right. You know what I mean? Life yep. comes in in between certain things. Doom exactly. to, I mean, to Zev Love X to Doom. You know, Ruck to Sean Price. Yeah. Yep. Life, life comes in, and if mm-hmm. you get luck, uh, look at the the recreation of Inspector Deck with Zarface. There you go. If yeah, you can recreate yourself, also, this answers our initial question. A lot of those older rappers haven't figured out how to recreate themselves right yeah the crazy thing is like i remember hearing um god bless the dead guru on the owner's album right mm-hmm. and that was the last official gangstar record and i remember i had just quit my job because i thought i was gonna get this other job and the job fell through and i have 15 dollars to my name mm-hmm. and i was like broke as shit i was like struggling and the Gangstar, the owner's album came out. And I was like, yo, I only got $15 anyway. I might as well spend it on something I really want. So you I bought the owner's album. The day came out with no money left in my account. Nothing, right? I bought the owner's album. And I sat there because Skills was the first single. Skills is crazy. And then Right Where You Stand was like the street song because mm-hmm. Jada was on fire. And so when I heard the rest of the album, I was like, and I had, I'd only been going to the studio at that point for like maybe a year and change. So like I knew what punchins were, but I knew it was like, I'm not the one that could do punchins. The whole album is Guru doing punches, right? And Guru was always an older dude. Like when Gangstar really, really popped, he was probably like early 30s, like when they really hit with like, with like royalty and all that. So when I heard the owner's album, I was like, Yo, he's like peeking, he's distorting, he's punching in. Like this is there's one there's, there's like militia part two or three where the whole thing's distorted. It's a mess. The mm. whole song's a mess. And I was like, yo, outside of right where you're in skills, like, and uh what's that one song? Um zoning. I like or no, no, it, it, they sample um they sample DMX. No time for games because I'm all grown up. Whatever that joint is, that joint's fire. But other than that, I remember hearing that being like, oh, this sounds like this is like strung together with, 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 with crazy glue and, and like scotch tape. Like what's going on with that? And then I heard that again on the um the large pro core mega album. Where mega was like it was punching in, yeah. A lot of punchings, but not in a seamless way or like in a performative way of like I'm punching this in to say this with like a different character in my voice or a different inflection or a different tone. It was like you're 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 like doing Frankenstein with this shit in the studio. You know what I mean? It's like it's like distracting when you listen to it because there's no seamless quality to it. And so with those particular dudes, I'm like, like Cormega and Guru never were like flow masters to me. They weren't those type of dudes that like sat in pocket all day like Nas, who was a human metronome. Mm-hmm. But it was like when it became like so jarring, I was like what like how do you how do you give that the thumbs up to press that up you know what i mean that's and like i love those dudes like i love mega i love core mega so much and i love guru obviously but it was just weird hearing that but then you hear like rock marcy right now 
You know what I mean? You hear like Ray right now. You hear like, you know, even the last few Nas records, like the last few Jay records. Like these dudes are like like Mark said, they're they're in different spaces in their lives and not talk about the same thing they were talking about when they were 29 because they're 45 or 50. But like you know, like Q tip, you know what I mean? Like Busta, like it's just interesting watching people that have stayed with it. Yeah, Alaska, bro. Like straight up, like Alaska's with it. You know what I mean? It's not like some it's not like a chore for these dudes. To Did stay you listen to Cool Keith's last album? Um, bring up Cool Keith. Yeah, cool. Yo, Keith. Keith is fucking rocking, bro. Keith is like, yeah. uh, Keith's last shit. album was fire. Yo, yeah. Keith. Keith is on it, man. And it's, yeah, it's look amazing. Look at AG too. Yo, AG. Oh my god. AG sounds incredible, dude. At all yeah. times. So I'm just saying, like, it's it's possible to keep it, but I feel like see, AG's another one. He's very not very under the radar like he recreated with ray bro once he started doing red apples and everything is berry he transitioned to be like yo yeah. i'm an older cool he dude recreated himself most yes. definitely you it's have totally to recreate yourself it's a it's a form of nature and that's why i really don't stress anything anymore is because mm-hmm. i try to follow nature and when i follow nature like you know i'm very i'm blessed for a lot of things like i guess i get up counting my blessings dude I was damn near homeless at one point. Damn. You hear, if you look it and listen to like um, No Dessert, that shit I did with Just, the shit I was talking in between mm-hmm. before that song comes on, that was in the middle of, in front of a spot I was staying at for like $400 a month. Whew. The actually spot burned down. I mm. thought H. Pone died in the fire type shit. Damn. Yeah. Like that spot was like some old... Real in the hood, we saw like two bodies out there. You know oh. what I mean? We walked by like two bodies just on the way to the fucking bus, walking from that spot. The brokenness yeah. and the desperation and the ugliness, like I'll give you, like that is the ugly part of it. Like the fire and the bodies that was across the street in the bushes that we seen out there. That was the ugly part of it. The beautiful part of it was, it was like right downtown Atlanta. So like with from music midtown and shit, I was there with my chick one night listening to fucking Al Green sing. It sounded like he was right across the street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so it's that duality. But back to the topic, man, is growth is is a form of nature, and certain things they grow differently. You know, mm. your, your your taste is different, your smell is different, you hear mm. things differently. It isn't so much that they're off pattern, it's they're hearing the beat differently than they did when they were 18. Ah, that's interesting. Or what or conversely, they might be hearing the beat the same as they were hearing it when they were 18. Ooh. And they're not like into the new evolution of who they are. Ooh. Right. You know but then saying? again, like, a lot of the people we're talking about they're stuck there right they're yeah. hearing it and they're like still giving you them from back then right and it hasn't caught up but the beats are still more modern so it's like you're not hearing where things are going to like yeah. it ain't like the beats are just grandmaster you know what i'm saying dsd yeah. back in the day beatbox right. it's still modern beats their flows haven't evolved with exactly you it's kind of like like old friends, right? Like you got like high school friends that you don't fuck with anymore because they're still the same person they were in high exactly. school. Totally. Exactly. And like, uh, why would you fuck with a rapper that's the same rapper that they were in '82? 
Well, Cool Keith is the same rapper he was in 82, man. <laughs> you think? I think he's a boss. He definitely is. Huh? He was future in 82. That's yeah, true. He was, he was well advanced. They was ahead of their times, man. That's they, true. He's so ahead of his time. 82, Keith, like I was just listening to that shit recently. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The basement tapes and all that shit. That's the That's thing. True. People like me too. With my flows, the way I tried to put shit is, again, you know, grilled cheese is a concept that I came up with in fucking 1998, like, mm -hmm. for what I would be doing, right? But some of the shit that you heard on Machete Vision or in flows from 2003, like, all that shit is years old. Mm -hmm. Concepts are years old before you even hear them. Fire. Yeah. So is it like some people are ahead of their time and some people are not there at all? Like there's people getting swept away. That's another yeah. thing too I tell people is time is the biggest factor with everything we're doing right now. Mm. It don't matter if you like whatever is out right now. If you are caught up in this wavelength of this time and space where the vinyl is popping again and yep. hip hop underground is kind of popping and people like Billy Woods are fucking blowing now and yeah. shit like that where you're like, God damn, this shit is crazy. Like, everything come <laughs> back around to where the underground is all of a sudden like it, where people are like, oh shit, this, this underground shit is kind of where it's at. Yeah. But it's not going to be like that forever. So as long yeah. as you got that in your head that, yo, right now is 2021. Mm-hmm. And it's good for right now, but nobody remembers who was the man in fucking 2014 that had that little stretch or that run or 2016. Like, yo, who was the hot blog dude in 2016 that had the major run that wasn't on the majors? Oof. Nobody gives a fuck because he's probably got a day job and he yeah. worked taking care of the kids, playing video games and shit, not <laughs> rapping no more, and it's become passe. That's another thing with me, man. And we talk about the energy is passion. I'm not yeah. around anyone who doesn't have full passion for the culture, the art of everything we're doing. Yeah. Everyone around me is working on multiple projects, yeah. sending me music every day. That's what I'm telling you. It's not an exaggeration when I'm like, I don't have time to listen to no one's music because <laughs> I literally have 10 records right now that I can't get to from people that are in-house around me right now. Mm-hmm company you keep that is factual passion dude it's passion older artists don't keep that passion Ooh. they get around old fucking people who True. don't have the energy and passion and they don't have that around them they're not Damn. around older passionate people they're not around younger passionate people they're not they're around, around, around comfortable people in. comfortable exactly and that comfort. comfort zone shit will kill everything comfort. yes the Free. world of comfort oh, yeah man Shit. But yo, if I wasn't fucking everybody here on this call, shit, I would I would just be right. either we'll in my house. Homies that are just blended in. And that's yeah, yeah, just you know, just making songs when I felt like it. But like rest in peace, Scorsese. Like that dude, the the short time we knew Scorsese, he kept the boot on our neck to keep popping and doing what we're doing, and we we, we kept the yeah. boot on his neck and then knowing Mark, like it's never been bullshit. It's never been like, ah, you know, I'll see you in a couple of years with one album, two, three years from now. And you know, I'm still working on that one thing and not nah, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 
the, the company you're keeping. I, I think with the older cats, it's like if they don't have it's like a basketball team, bro. Like you need the 19 year old dudes like with the 33 year old dudes like the 33 year old dudes are going to show 19 year old like this is how you spend your money. This is how this is where you want to live. This is how type of suits and shit you need to have. And the 19 year olds like you'll run the fast break. I'll throw you to alley. You we're not just doing fucking jump shots all day. You know what I mean? Like you need that. You need that that charge. It's so yeah, sp- you can learn from everyone. It's a right. whole 360 degrees. There's certain things that the young cats are going to be very sharp on that they're going to keep you sharp on. And there are certain things that you got to get from the older cats. Right. So that's where I'm at is this surrounding myself with a very limited small circle. I don't talk to a lot of people day in and day out anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But really the artists I deal with. And my like that's my become my... Uh, my friendship circle collective of people to where, yo, and the energy is basically, it's it's reciprocated all the time. They're constantly sending me new energy, new songs, new ideas, and that keeps my brain sharp. I try to read books every day, play chess every day. Mm. But outside of that and working, you know, I work from home too, mm-hmm. basically doing tech stuff, dude, just keeping your mind active. And that's another thing I just came up across. Like, yo, a lot of older cats do not stay active with anything, not just rapping. Right. They don't read. They right. don't go talk to a lot of different people. Right. They get more and more cocooned into being whatever they was. And they, I mean, it's not even just rappers. This is people in general, people man. You read people are, there's an epidemic of loneliness. Because people haven't made those connections or had anything to bring them together to make those connections. People mm-hmm. falling out of going to churches, nobody care about that. Yep. After college, if you went to college or whatever, the work environment is whatever it is. There's really no type of thing for people to get together with. Yep. Hip hop is our thing. Hip hop saved my life, dude. Yes. Hip hop saved my mentality. Hip hop mm-hmm. has brought me so much like I can't even measure it or contain it. The reason I'm even still with my wifey is because she gives me space to still be myself and have the culture or wrap myself in it and shit. Without that dude, I don't even know where the fuck I would be right now. It's driven me to do so much great shit, but people don't have that. And even if, and you gotta, it's a certain mentality you have to even continue. Mm. I said something like that on Twitter. I was like, yo, you put out a good project and it wasn't really appreciated and shit like that. Cool. Go ahead and do it again. Yeah. And then do it again. Yeah. And then do it again. That's another thing. The old heads can't keep up with these. No. These kids are constantly dropping. That's Straight why up. we're constantly dropping. We constantly have shit going on the menu, not just because we're dealing with passionate people, but because that's the climate. If you Correct. ain't dropping multiple projects no. a year now, you're done. Yeah. Oh, when I when I tell reg, like regular people, I'm like, yo, I, I got three album albums on deck this year. They're like, you got three albums? And I'm like, Vic Spencer probably got nine. Come you know on, what I mean? Wait. Like I'm lacking this year. But regular people are like, well, that's that's amazing. Like you got three albums, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, what else would I do? <laughs> like what the fuck else? I can't do shows. Like what, we we do the podcast <laughs> once a week. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's about it, man. Yo, we went super deep with Mark. We got so much ill Patreon content out of Mark. Shouts to Mark, man. 
we got RZA stories, we got Tower Records, South Street stories. I don't know if that's even legally allowed to be put on the Patreon, but who knows? But the regular show, we got it right here with everybody on this shit. Mark, what's 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 your Twitter pump 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 yourself pump grilled cheese man? This is everybody who fucks with us probably already fucks with you, but in case they're brand new, hit them. Uh, grillcheeparty.com. We bumping that grillcheeparty.bandcamp.com. Uh, Mark Speck, M A R Q S P E K T on the Twitter. Please don't follow me on Instagram. I'm not even over there. But grillcheeparty, G R I L C H Y, party is the uh the instagram follow that one i'm giving a lot of uh a lot of different lessons curating on that page because it's honestly ground up people that follow and support the movement you know financially as well we've been very blessed with uh with a base of people who ain't complaining they love the collections like literally collectors now which is a dream come true for me which was to have something or create something that people tangibly collect and put a, a real value on mm-hmm. so Shout that's out. another blessing that's around puma puma for that yo puma is yeah, invaluable puma. man the whole team ryan puma is an invaluable part of the creations and just getting us right and mm-hmm. you can't get anything done without a team man and i tell people that i used to think i could do it really by myself with this shit mm-hmm. but the game ain't really about a lot of people building. If you're like, yo, I'm building a pyramid mm-hmm. or I'm building a house and you got shovels and you got a little jackhammer, you got some equipment and shit. Very few people are the equipment, man. They're not going to grab the equipment. They're going to wait to watch the house getting built and they're going to watch the house get built more and more, but they ain't going to grab a shovel. And <laughs> when that shit start looking like a house, and you start getting the pool together and all that, yep. everybody going to be starting to wheel their grill up in front of your house and shit, <laughs> talking about, yo, I got beach chairs and shit. But the, the serious thing is that we literally built a fucking pyramid out the dirt, out the sand. You guys did. And mm-hmm. it's still being built every second that we're talking right now. Yep. I got orders coming through right now. I got three projects. Like, to me... Dealing with two that King Kong or cocaine, which was him low in Q3, yeah, and uh, that beat jitsu project was a lot, dude. Yeah. I got I got him low and Jalo point. You gonna make me kill your ass? That's coming very soon. Yeah. We got actually that Rock Marcy verse. I wanted to get Rock on some shit right when uh Marsberg dropped. I wanted him to be on Machete Vision. Oh yeah, but uh, I got voted down on that. But I ended up getting that verse from him in 2017. I put it on a record, which was uh, At War With The Shadows. Billy Woods, you know, good frame. I was on that, a couple people. But that record was only meant for one thing. To test the pressing plant. Mm. That record was a test for me. That wasn't never, I never did CDs or really promoted that. Mm-hmm. That record was a test for the vinyl. Once I saw what the capabilities were, that's when I immediately started doing the Booze Brothers vinyl and everything else that you see going on now. That record was a test. Yeah. So that's why I was able to take that verse and that song and give it to Giallo like, yo, now we can use it. I got a video coming for that too. Fire. We got an animated video coming for that. 
uh, very soon. Cabadonna spaz the fuck out on there on the album. Ooh, Yo. Yes. Yeah, ca- yeah, Yo, he's got the best necklace ever. He's got a Mario Brothers necklace, and that shit is like oh, 18 inches all the way on sides. Cabadonna, man, he's one of legend. those. Yo, he's he's a legendary cat, and and people sleep on Kappa. Nah, yeah. not on this but show. We, we did this, a Cabadonna episode. We never sleep on Cap. Man, listen, Kappa had the best verses on a lot of them songs. Winter Wars yeah. is the best Wu verse of oh. all time. Winter Kappa. Wars is the best. Kappa, the entire uh, Wu Tang Clan. Winter Wars. I can't. I can't. I, well, you know what? It's up there, but I can't officially say that that's it because there's a few that's up there to me. All right. You know what I mean? There's a few that's up there. You know Fair what enough. I mean? Killer Priest got Killer Killer Priest got a couple that's. Ooh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. P-P. I judge wisely. As if nothing ever surprised me, loud. You know what I mean? Two pillows of ivory, of lively. My dope piece. Like, hold on. The whole temperature of the room is going to drop like Ghost Walked in and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that song right there, the whole fucking room would get frigid. And then Pete, this, his Rockets the Nebula album from last year is fucking incredible. He's another one. Front to back, no drums. Like that album. Up. Yo, if that was a J Elect album, people would like, that's the best album of the year. If that was a J Elect record. Yo, I wrote an article for Combat Jack about Jay Electronica when he dropped. And I saw I mentioned that he's really Killer Priest. Like when I, I dropped that something about that in there. It was like, yo, he's yeah. really like if you listen to Killer Priest, he gets a lot of shit from Killer Priest. Facts. And right. and the thing was is that man, listen. Kappa having him on there. We got Cool G Rap on the album. Oof. The remix from that. I'm on there. You know what I yes. mean? You're going to get a spec verse on there too. And Giallo, to me, this is his best produced album. Yeah, hard, hard drums. Hard drums. We like that. We like drums. Hard ass yes. drums on here. Yes. And Give me drums. this shit, him low, showed up top to bottom. Clever one on there, of course. Yep. But this album is going to move him low to a different space. This is like when fucking this shit right here reminds me of when Monch and most Def and Autumn went to Oof. Raucous. Oof. This is what time period is. This feels like for um him low and the Booze Brothers going to elevate. And people are treating Clever One at last album with Bijitsu like that's a Mad Villain type album. I can't keep those shits around. Like literally, the second press is like gone. I might do like another press next year or something, but that's still getting required. Q3, he's got some shit on deck where he's basically the diamond in the rough. People ain't even seen his full potential, like where he's about to go yet. Like he's got some heavy features that's coming up that I'm not even going to talk about right now. He's somebody that's like, he he was already moving his feet before... I got with him, but I got with him in a time to where his trajectory with the vinyl and shit mm. and having a, a library, a vinyl library, people are going to look back at that and be like, damn, you got all this shit already? Like, oh, yeah. By the time people fully get in tune with what he's got, which is going to be very soon, they're going to be like, damn, you got a vinyl library, that shit crazy, dude. So I got him on deck, and then Lord B. Jitsu, who has already been fam. He was on the Booze Brothers first CD, producer for them. So nothing has been overnight. Everything you witnessing right now 
from the concept to even the artists I'm dealing with has been in the works for a few years. Damn. This ain't no overnight, like, yo, am I signing people and this and that. It's like, nah, I've already overdone what I intended to do. From 98 in a notepad, dog. Yeah. So right now. I've already been playing bonus rounds. People don't realize that. That's why I be so carefree with life in general. It's like, dude, I was in a fucking MPV with one busted window sleeping in that bitch sometimes because (laughs) I ain't have a spot like to touring and going to fucking Italy and Europe and all over the place. Bro, I can't, I have no complaints about this shit because even if it was the end tomorrow, I've been in bonus rounds since like 2003. Fire. We did it, man. Yo, that's, that's shit. This is legendary, man. This is, I don't know if Mark does a ton of pods and grill cheese, anybody else, but this is, this is a lot of shit, man. We talked about dudes falling off. We talked about Mark's vision board from 20 some years ago, fucking fulfilling orders, fucking cutting level vinyl everywhere. This has been fucking incredible, man. Yo, Mark, that's, I asked you just for your Twitter and your, in your band camp. You gave me 74 minutes. That's ill. Thank you for that. Word. Yo, if you've never heard of Mark Specker grill G party before that, I don't know how you're not fucking clicking on all this shit, copping it up. So, I don't do interviews. That's why I specifically. This is what it is, man. Interviews. See, I can tell you don't give interviews. Man. I know that you're bottled up. You know, you're yeah. playing chess in the, in the cut. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, man, we needed that. I appreciate so. y'all, man. I'm gonna go inside and pop some popcorn, put my feet up and shit. Yeah, All right, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> All right, peace, y'all. Thanks, guys. Take Bye, care, man. We'll talk to you, everybody. Peace. Peace. Talk to him.